Hello, I'm Tavin Allen, and welcome to OK So Here's One, a podcast celebrating street jokes. You know what street jokes are. Uh, Prince Charming finds Cinderella in a pub. Uh, that sort of thing. Street jokes are wonderful and great, and every episode we invite our guests to come on and tell us their favorite street jokes. Now, this episode, our guest is actor, author, and cancer survivor Edward Miskey. He has a, a book out now called Cancer, Musical Theater, and Other Chronic Illnesses. Uh, there's a link in the show notes for you to uh, go buy it there, and after you hear this conversation, you'll definitely want to pick this up. So, without further ado, please welcome Edward Miskey. Can I tell you something in person? Your 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 photos do not do you any justice. You are the kindest person in the world. You, you look handsome there, but now I was like, like I literally restarted. I, I was just looking for something to watch the other night, and I started rewatching Mad Men, and I looked as soon as your video your your video screen popped up, and I was like, oh fuck, it's Kinsey. You were so absolutely come kind, on, especially because on the train ride home, I caught a glimpse of myself in the train mirror, and I was like, ooh, girl. Get <laughs> <laughs> you are showing your age. <laughs> uh, mm. Well, Edward, take a look at Stop take, eating and go for a run. <laughs> take a look at anyone, any one of the three windows that isn't you in here. And guess who's Listen, younger? We, we all have. I think we all have various uh, stages of daddy going on. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> so I think we're good. I think we're good. Yes. You strike me as like the. Um, I would say like the five to 10 year old uh, father. You're, you're kind of like, like in that stage, oh, just visually, right? I was like, I don't look that young. No, 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 no. <laughs> and then, and then Darcy <laughs> is definitely like, you know, when they're going to prom, right? And uh, sure, sure. I look like the wedding dad where they hope he doesn't uh, let out any racial slurs in the wedding speech. <laughs> well, I mean, truth be told at my age, my parents had uh, preteens. They had preteens. Okay. Um, so that's a horrifying thought because mm -hmm. I have no children. And the idea that they had three of them that were yeah. like talking and capable of autonomous function is mm -hmm. just the most, most breathtaking, awe-inspiring feat that they somehow mm -hmm. Managed right. <laughs> the uh, the the couple that we're friends with just uh, just down the road here. Just to give you a sense of geography, I used to live in Toronto, where Darcy is right now, uh, and I spent you know half my life there. I now live in Ottawa, and we live right around the corner from a of uh, a, a friend of my wife's uh, that I have since gotten to know quite well. I consider them my friends, but in the divorce, let's be fair, she's getting them. Like it's that right. Um, if. <laughs> But I've, 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 I've ridden that pony before Edward. It's Spoiler yeah. Alert. Yeah. So we love riding, we love riding a pony. Oh yeah. That's it. Uh, no, this divorce pony is horrible. I don't like divorce pony. Oh, that's not the pony that I met. I'm so oh, okay. Sorry. No, no, no. Po Continue. Other pony. Great. Divorce pony. No. So, um, they have in their, in their cadre of people in the house, uh, they have themselves. They have three children Two out of three of them are teenagers. They have two large black labs and um, severe drinking problems, I would say. So perfect family. I mean, you lost me at themselves. But no wonder they have a drinking problem. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, just I have a drinking problem now and I have none of that. Right. <laughs> That's just from the existential uh -huh. bullshit of the world. <laughs> 
Never mind dogs and a children. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, ch- and a children. Listen to me. It's been a long day, guys. It's been oh, a long day. D- d- this, so, so for the listener who doesn't know, this is a uh, this is a late record. We're in at uh, eight o'clock p.m. Everyone's well fed. You know, probably I don't nope, know. Nope, th- haven't had, haven't eaten yet. Oh Jesus, <laughs> okay. Eddie, baby, come on now. Um, oh, where you know who calls me? You know who calls me Eddie, baby? Who call? Uh, uh, please tell me that is Graham Chapman, which is hard because he's dead. No, it's my dad. Oh, your dad calls you Eddie, baby. <laughs> well, he does. Yeah, Eddie, baby. I hate to tell you this. No one else does. So the that's, tests have that's, come uh, in. That's very daunting that you just. Did <laughs> that. <laughs> do you do you know where I think he anyway. got that? Do you know where I think he got it? Is, is, does your father ever watch? Uh, did he ever watch Monty Python's Flying Circus? Because that's where I got that from. Oh, a hundred percent. Okay, that's exactly where yeah, he got my dad's it. A Mon- my dad's a Monty Python guy. Okay, yeah, for sure. That is. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. Okay, no, 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 no. I, I was going nowhere. I just, I'm, I'm happy. Look, you're already drinking bathtub Same. gin out of a mason jar. I mean, like this is where this is going. Um, I truly wish it was bathtub gin. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's lemon water. I'm trying to do a clap. Well, look at you. Look at you and me. Look at that. Uh, that. Oh, oh isn't see? it? bound together I know yes the, for the listener i'm holding up a glass of vodka <laughs> with a lemon in it <clears throat> for the watcher it's actually water mm-hmm. yeah you can't see me you can't see me. what is your when you're not doing a cleanse why are you doing a cleanse by the way edward um well it's it's because of said drinking problem okay <laughs> all right <laughs> Um, it's not really a problem, <clears throat> except for my doctor told me it was. So I'm right. Uh, what the fuck just, do like, they trying know? To do like, yeah, fuck her. Yeah, she's just <laughs> saved my life. Never mind. Um, <laughs> what does she know? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I love her, and and we've we've been having this conversation mm-hmm. for the last couple of years since since Pandyland and the shutdown and mm-hmm. it all happened. Right. Um. You know, a lot a lot of us kind of relied on a bottle of sorts to kind mm-hmm. of get through the day. Yes. And some of us some of us are very all or nothing and mm-hmm. go big or go home, which is how I live my life, and that got me into a little bit of trouble. Sure. Um. And so this has been kind of like a three year conversation of like on again off again like. I'll do 100 days of sobriety, I'll do 200 days of sobriety, and then I'll break it. And um, we're, we're at the end, <laughs> we're at the end of a, of a bit longer of a stretch of non-sobriety than normal. So, right. you know, my, I'm going to, I'm going to give myself grace mm-hmm. and get through December, you know, with, with the brown, the brown liquor for the holidays. Right. How dare you take that away from me? Right. Yeah. And, you know, 2024, we're going to start out strong with like, you know, dry January and go from there. Uh-huh. And I love doing it. It's not like a chore. This sure. isn't like, oh, I have to be sober. God. It's really just like, it. I wake up, I'm more productive, I feel better, I look better. I know. But I'm just, Edward, I'm just looking at you. As soon as you said, like, Christmas and brown liquor, I literally just pictured you with, like, the pipe and, like, the a, a tumbler of whiskey. And it's like, it is Kinsey. It's Kinsey. It's Kinsey. You're not, you're totally not right. Wrong. I mean, that is minus, minus the pipe. Yes. Different kind of pipe. <laughs> um, you know, but like we'll, uh, <laughs> keep that image in your head. We, uh, um, we have, that s- is, that is kind of my life. Yeah. The, um, uh, I, I think here's the thing. Everyone kind of came out of pandemic a little broken, right? For many oh, reasons. Yeah. yeah. You know, no one came out and went, <laughs> You know what? Miss the old days. Miss the old days. I miss. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be contrarian on this. Okay, for you for a second. Mm-hmm. I really loved shutdown in the beginning. Yes, because yeah. the way that my life was going at 
that point, I very distinctly remember having um, drinks mm-hmm. <laughs> with one of my best friends and being like, I, this hamster wheel that I've created for myself, first mm-hmm. of all, New York City is insane. Right. I was running my own business. I was trying to have my own career. I was also working like three part-time like gig mm-hmm. job situations. Um, <clears throat> holding rehearsals, doing promo and marketing for my company. And like, I was just around the clock nonstop. Right. And I found time to still go to the gym. I was also drinking myself to sleep because I was so ramped up that I couldn't sleep otherwise. Mm-hmm. And it was just this terrible cycle. And I remember saying to her, I don't know how to get off this hamster wheel. And I'm so afraid that if I don't, that something's going to happen. Right. And like, maybe two months later, shutdown happened. And I was like, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> i can't do anything i don't have to be anywhere i can't go anywhere right it was great i just ran around my apartment naked for months right wonderful i loved it yes i did that i think we should do that 30 days of the year every year i uh i do that i still do that to this day walk around naked my wife's like we get that out of here um let's i don't have i don't have pants on right now full disclosure well it's a zoom call right how many times have you been or heard like my wife has been on Zoom calls where, you know, everyone like the work from home carried over. So everyone's kind of working from home. And she tells this lovely story of like she was on like a meeting with someone who is a higher up in the organization. And uh, the Patreon people will be able to see this a little bit better, uh, not 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 to scale or um, wardrobe wise. But the the person on the Zoom call was kind of like this. Got in there right in the right in the frame, right in the square. And all you saw, you just went, okay, they're wearing something like like a tube top or something like that because they, you, you barely just see. And this, this woman's like right in there, right in there, right in there. And then uh, without turning off the camera, she mutes herself. She gets up and goes to the washroom, which is open right behind her, closes nary a door while she's doing whatever filthy business she's doing, uh, completely starkers naked and everyone is frantically messaging her by the way did i mention clients are on the call clients were on the call and so frantically messaging frantically like what the fuck is going on why did you turn off your goddamn camera she can't hear it she's in the bathroom shitting and brushing her teeth at the same time so then she comes back and just goes like this and unmutes and like nothing happened <laughs> you know what i think that that human is a goddamn legend Oh, going down in history as no question. Yeah. You no make question. me work from home. You get what you ask for. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really what that's all about. Um, and I did that. I worked from home for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning it was really great. And then after a while I just like fell into this really terrible depression where I, I like made, I had a very, very real and like crystal clear realization that I need to be around people. Mm-hmm. Like I, I need myself. I mm-hmm. need my downtime. I need my pipe and my whiskey moment in my little lounge smoking jacket. Mm-hmm. But I need to be around human beings that I can intera- interact with. It right. like, recharges my battery. And I was not okay for a while from working from home. I just yeah. was like so like not good. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's over now. I'm a nine to five. Oh no, 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 for sure, for sure. And you, uh, I, I take it you live alone because, like, for for me and Darcy, like, we're married. Do, yes, yes, we're not we're not married together, but like, we're married to other people. And the, you know, because you have someone in the house, it helps. It helps, right? Sure. I I have always lived alone. Mm-hmm. I have always done whatever I needed to to live alone because I I hate living with other people. Sure. So 
all of this all of this is mine <laughs> <laughs> the big blur behind for better, edward for better the big blur behind me you can <laughs> see my I have this lovely gallery wall here you yes um i'll i'll un i'll unblur for a second okay just so a my little gallery oh that's gallery gorgeous right here yeah, that's great my little bookshelf. Yeah, uh-huh. so it's all mine, for better or worse. Okay. I love it until I have to pay for it. And right. Then it's a different story. Exactly. You know. Exactly. So let's so let's go back. Did you, you're you're in New York? Did you live there forever? Did you move there for for theater? Like to, like take us through the story that is your book, Cancer Musical Theater and Other Chronic Illnesses. Did I get that right? <laughs> you sure did. Okay. You know, it's my fault for having a book title that's a mouthful. It's my friend Alex's fault. Um, he just randomly said it to me one day, and I was like, oh, that's the title. Sure. Can and you I, say that again I, five I, times so I get it down right? Can you do that? Right. right. I, I literally pulled out my phone. I was like, making a note right now. Love it. <laughs> um, one last thing I have to think about. And he's credited in the title, mm-hmm. so I can, I, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, kind of, to answer your question, kind of both. I have lived here forever. I moved here when I was 18. I graduated high school on May 27th, and June 1st, my lease started. And in those three days, I packed up my whole room. Mm-hmm. Um, from where? I owned. Where, where did you move from? From Pennsylvania. Oh, Cent- cool. Central okay. Pennsylvania. Okay. The land of the Amish. Yes. And, uh... And a number of other things that are disagreeable. But um, <laughs> yeah, I moved I moved here right after high school and figured it out, mm-hmm. you know? So the, it, the purpose of doing that was, one, I wanted to be a pop star. It was like writing music with my dad. He's a singer-songwriter, mm-hmm. recording artist, always has been my whole life. We've had a recording studio, studio in the house since as, as long as I can remember. Wow. Um, and so, like, I grew up with like self teaching myself piano and like fucking around with the bass guitar and and guitar and all that. And, you know, so I had been writing music. I had been writing music with my dad and I wanted to be Britney Spears basically. And I moved to New York to do that. But you know, that job's taken. It is taken. Although I I hear it's opening up soon. Oh, true. Um, That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, so, but then, like, with all that said, I also did theater my whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, my aunt kind of tur- turned us on to it as kids um, with a cast recording of, like, My Fair Lady or okay. Secret Garden or, you know, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And mm-hmm. we knew all of the words. And uh, so, you know, to no one's shock, I started doing theater in elementary school and middle school and high school, mm-hmm. either at the school or locally at a community theater. And then I just, like, decided to... You know, we we took a trip to New York. We saw a Broadway show, and I was like, "Oh, people do this for money and get paid." Right. Oh, this is a, this is a viable career for me. And at that point, at like thirteen or fourteen years old, I was like, "Well, I don't need school anymore mm-hmm. because that's what I'm gonna do." <laughs> right. <laughs> and so for the rest of my school career, I was a total nightmare because mm-hmm. I was like, "I don't need you." <laughs> right. I don't need you. Math. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So two yeah. questions. What was your uh, your first or among your first performances that you did in high school when you were when you were growing up? And what was the first play or plays that you saw in New York when you went? Okay, Um, my first show that I did, Mm -hmm. I was not in high school. I was in the fourth grade. Okay, and the music teacher at the high school knew who I was because I sang. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I'm looking at my watch. I don't care what time it is. (laughs) Um, let me take it off. Hang on. Let me let me un, unmadman myself, and I'll take my watch off. Um, <laughs> so uh, she like one of the 
how did this no that was the second okay so she had contacted my parents and asked if they'd be down for me to be in the school musical which was the wizard of oz and i naturally played dorothy no i'm totally kidding i played (laughs) um the mayor of munchkinland oh nice bigger than bigger than dorothy in every direction Mm -hmm. and you know that's just kind of what was what it was i wore lime green suit and Mm -hmm. uh had like the little curly part in my hair and Mm -hmm. The whole shebang. So that's that's what started that spiral. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the shows that we saw in New York that kind of really made like really solidified it for me was the Forty Second Street Revival in two thousand. I think we saw it, which I don't know if you've seen the show, but traditionally the way that it starts is the curtain comes up to about knee high, mm-hmm. and everyone is in a line tapping their ass off, and it is the most thrilling thing you've ever seen because the overture starts and the curtain comes up and everybody's like tapping to this mm-hmm. like great combo that's like iconic and uh that was kind of the first aha moment of like oh people are paid for right. this right um and then right after that we saw Mus- music man with eric, Mac- eric mccormick oh geez um, and that also okay. and then later years later i worked with the guy who understated him <laughs> what oh that's amazing so that was a really fun mm-hmm full circle moment i was doing mama mama mia and he was one of the dads and i like looked in the program yeah. and it was like broadway credit music man i was like jeffrey uh-huh i think i saw you he was like don't tell me don't he was like don't tell me what year and how old you were <laughs> to be fair you just said he's playing a dad right <clears throat> right to be to be fair in that exact same show i have also played a dad sure a really large i know but they tend people, to skews cast that they show. tend to skew this right for that um it's yeah they do. Uh, yeah they do. the um so by comparison the first shows that i saw on broadway it was a double feature because we went down as part of like a photography trip and we got like two shows in and we got uh the nerd which was a play that starred mark hamill mm-hmm. And a cast mm-hmm. of others, I'm sure. Uh, and then, them. and then it was, I have no idea who was in it, but it was singing in the rain. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, that is something we can easily look up and I can easily mm-hmm. be right for because I'm sure it's someone that I, oh, absolutely. We've all the year you want to pick is 1980. <laughs> that's the year that you want to <laughs> try and find. Um, more recently, okay, let's see. Singing in the shut rain. Shut up. Don't, uh, how dare you? <laughs> How dare 1980s. you? Have you got like <laughs> like the billboard uh, or the uh, play the the playbill database up? Uh, no, but I okay. have Wikipedia. Okay. Oh, god. All damn right. You. Let's see. Uh, nineteen ninety four. No. 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 Original Broadway production is nineteen eighty. Nope. Uh, uh nineteen eighty five. That sounds about right. Sounds about right. Okay, let me see. Uh, yes. Don Korea and Mary Darcy. Okay. And Faye Grant. Right. I don't think I know any, any zero these, names. Any I know zero names. Zero names. Correct. Right, well, that was that was a that was a that was a bust. Fail. But you and I most recently, because you just saw, I saw, I, I, I trolled your Instagram a little bit, and I saw that you uh, were going to see six. Yes, for the yes. third time. Okay. So one of those times, I may or may not have been directly across the street from you because uh, we were in New oh, York this past summer. Yes. No, well, uh, prior to that. It was uh, summer 1976. 
with oh, um, yes, yes, yes. with okay, Laura so Linney a couple of years ago. Yes, yes, yes. God, I love her. Oh, she's fantastic. Like, I've had the privilege of seeing her on stage before, and God damn it, what? Yes, she's oh. insanely good. Oh, I know. Um, and incredible. But yeah, I, I I saw I saw um her in I believe I God I hope I'm not confusing her with someone else. No, I'm pretty sure I'm not. I saw her across the street at, at uh, Manhattan Theater Club for uh. Little Foxes. Okay. And it was her and Cynthia Nixon. Mm-hmm. And they would alternate roles Ooh. every other night. Oof. <clears throat> and so one was kind of like some uppity bitch. And mm-hmm. then the other one was like had a severe drinking problem. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> the night that I saw it, Laura Linney was the uppity bitch. And mm-hmm. Cynthia Nixon had the drinking problem. Okay. And I just. Right. Oh, God damn it. They're so good. I love uh-huh. her. <laughs> uh, allow me to say she was, she was opposite uh, Jessica Hecht. And, um, you literally just described the exact same play. It was exactly the same. So, so apparently she likes two handers where one woman is uppity and the other one, uh, has some form of substance abuse problem. It's a problem. Yes. I mean, look, you do what you're good at, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Right. What you know. She's good at being an uppity bitch. The rest will follow. Right. So, (laughs) so where, so where did you find your, your traction in musical theater in New York? I want, I'm trying, I'm trying to get. The, the chronology of your, your book title, because, you know, musical theater obviously came first. And then what? Yes. Like, let's, 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 well, let's look at the component parts of your title and that will help drive this narrative. Sure. So basically the first three years that I lived in New York, I fucked off, you know, like okay. it was my first time out of the house. I sure. didn't, I opted not to go to college and I mm-hmm. it was like New York city, no parents, you know, like yeah. what, why, why not? Right. Um, and I did kind of try to pursue things like I went, I did the downtown, the downtown music scene in the village and like try okay. to get my song played by DJs and try to perform in clubs and stuff. And it's, they're so rude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, back then, at least I don't rude know. Rude in New York. Listen, I, I will fight you on this. Okay. New Yorkers are not rude. You're in the way. <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. We're just trying to get to work and uh-huh. survive. Yeah. No, like you're it. the, you're the problem. It's you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I, I tried to do that for a little bit, probably like a year or two. I tried to get a band together. I, you know, tried to sing and perform the tracks that I had recorded with my dad at, at a bunch of different places and nothing was really sticking. And so I was like, you know, it feels better going to an audition and actually getting seen and considered for a role right. and then maybe getting a callback. And then in that same process, you get to meet people and you're standing in line with people and you make friends. The friends that I have today are the same friends I met in those lines mm. 15 years ago. Correct. Um, You know, and so that was, that just felt better. And I started, you know, I started booking stuff pretty immediately um, I I worked in a hedge fund in 2007 and mm-hmm. 2008. Uh, while that was going on, and then when that crashed, and the Lehman Brothers of it all fell apart, and the country was dying, mm-hmm. I got a severance package that was pretty sweet, and I just went to town and I started. I went to every party I could get my hands on, but then I also got my shit together and like started auditioning for things, and I booked right away. I was like out of town within three months. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the jag, that's the, the gag of, uh, living in New York to do theater is that you move here to do theater. And when you audition for things, you end up performing everywhere, but New York. Right. Um, I performed everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, so it, it was, it was 2008 was the start of it. And I had pretty consistent 
really, I mean, compared compared to my some of my peers, very consistent work. I did shows every year, mm-hmm. multiple shows every single year, until um, two thousand end of two thousand eleven. I was coming off of three contract, four mm-hmm. technically four back to back contracts, and uh, that's kind of when cancer happened. Okay, kind of really put a wrench in it because at that point I was starting to get attention from like larger casting houses. I had Oof. been in contacted by some i had won a scholarship mm-hmm. through the union that brought my attention to a bunch of people that were kind of like up at the top um that i got meetings with because of that scholarship and so everything felt like things were falling into place and then i was in a hospital wow huh before we go there break next. let's okay. let's before before we go to the to to the to the down i want to go to back to like the all the work you're doing leading up to that point what was your favorite show that you did out of all those, and what was the dog? weren't weren't they all dogs? Yep. I mean, okay. So <laughs> to be to be perfectly frank with you, my favorite show that I ever did to this day mm-hmm. um, was the first show that I booked a lead in since I was in high school. Okay, you know, like it was in 2010, so mm-hmm. I had been in the city for about five years at this point, and it was a small little black box theater in Connecticut. And they were known for doing new works. Okay. And the circumstances that I was put in was this work had already been done. It had been off Broadway. It had just closed. And this was the first production that they were doing anywhere else that had not been off Broadway. Okay. And so I got to work directly with the off Broadway producing team and Van Dean, who was one of the producers. He's like a big Tony award winning producer. Um, and the writing team, and they would be sending us new scenes, new songs, like while this rehearsal process was happening, which was like 10 to 12 days, not a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to learn how to play guitar, which I lied and said I could do. And I had to <laughs> learn how to do a Scottish accent, which I lied and said I could do. <laughs> and I was like, I'll figure it out. I want this role. I want right. this job. And when I got it, I literally was like, great, please email the, me the contract, blah, 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 blah. And I left my apartment and ran down to Chelsea and I bought a guitar mm-hmm. at the Chelsea Guitar Shop on 23rd Street. And I was like, I'll figure it out. It's fine. And uh, <laughs> God. signed a contract, literally grabbed like some toiletries and my dirty laundry and got on an Amtrak and went up to Connecticut mm-hmm. that day. And showed up like Maria von Trapp with my guitar case. Like, right. Hi, I'm Rennie. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've been practicing on the um, on the train, been... and they won't let me back ever again. Yeah, right, ever again. I'm banned from Amtrak. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was wild because I at some point during that short rehearsal process, I called my dad and I was like, I think I'm in over my head. Mm-hmm. I think I fucked up. Right. And uh, my dad, being a guitar player, was like, Nope. You got it in you. Mm-hmm. And like he was helping me over the phone. We were FaceTiming as shitty as FaceTime was right back then. And the guy who was the guitar player in the band in the orchestra, I was like, please come over and help me. I lied. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't right. tell anyone. <laughs> um, Get your ass to Connecticut. <laughs> yeah. And so not only am I, it's a two person show and it's 90 minutes and we do not leave the stage. See? There was so much music, so much dialogue. Oh, and then I also had to, like, it was just one thing after another, after another, after another, after another. And I nailed it. You I nailed it. So you, I, I, I can't imagine that you wouldn't. You, you haven't told us I the title yet, <laughs> and I'm still trying to figure oh, out. I'm so sorry. No, 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 don't, 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 because I'm still trying to figure out what play has a Scottish troubadour in it. And I'm like, you it's, probably have not. You've probably not have heard of it. It's called Rooms, a rock romance. Okay. It's, it. I loved it. I still stand by the fact that that 
show has some great music in it. There's a song called Bring the Future Faster that I quote all the time. Right. Um, the girl that I played opposite of, actually, I have the poster right here. Hang on. There you this go. This is how proud of this I am. It's lit. Oh, you can't fucking. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, put it in front of you and then it will. Sorry, it, listener. No, put it. No, just put it Sorry, in front listener. of you and it will. I'm a hot mess. All right. There we go. This is the poster. Oh, gorgeous. That's me at 22, 3. Look at you. I loved it. Right. It was wonderful. 2010. Anyway, God. it just felt like that's that's like a dream scenario for an actor who mm-hmm. like really wants to like dig in. You know, like not that I created all this chaos for myself, but that you have. The producing team and the writers and they're giving you new things and you kind of get to build this from the ground up and they don't want you to l- listen to any of the the source material because they want it to be fresh and new and different and it it was really kind of i think the first time that i felt like i'm good at this and i can do this yeah and like it was it was great it also the artistic director of that theater was not a marketer or an advertiser oh. <laughs> and for whatever reason i had a, some kind of natural ability for that and so I would spend my days where we were not doing shows, calling radio stations, emailing magazines, trying to like look up people on social media who are industry related and mm-hmm. just like posting about the show all the time. I tried to get a videographer up to film it. I tried to get a photographer up to take pictures of it. Right. And it was not not to my winning because it is not <laughs> an easy trip from New York to Connecticut. I do have some photos that the producer took during a run, but I am I to this day I'm still so proud of that and I wish I had right. footage of it. Awesome. Now, which one sucked? Um, <laughs> By the way, you know, I love just just so we're clear. 2010, you were doing that. 2010, I was probably still on a Wednesday bombing at Betty's. Okay, that's that's where we lived. I mean, I would love you to explain what Betty's is. Betty's is a uh, <laughs> it, it was a one of Toronto's longest running open mics. And oh, fun. yeah, okay. so that's where, that's where I started. I, 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 I was doing up in, in Toronto, uh, from 2002 to whenever I left and now I'm doing it here in Ottawa. Um, but yeah, okay. so like starting out, uh, Betty's definitely would have been on a Wednesday night, uh, at, uh, uh, in Toronto, probably around 2010 makes sense. And, uh, yeah. yep. Still think back well, listen, in that going, get, wasn't funny. Ba- don't get don't get too down on yourself because about a year and a half later I was dying. So Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was dying then. Ah? Well, All right. Ah, in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> of humiliation. Of humiliation, yes. <laughs> so before we get to your yeah, so your that, death spiral, let's so the, let's talk about right, the 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 bomb the bomb I think was kind of um you know, the thing is when you're doing regional theater, a lot of the times everything is a bomb and you mm-hmm. just have to kind of drink the Kool-Aid and be like, this is great. I'm having a great time. Mm-hmm. And you are because you're meeting cool new people and you're making money doing what you set out to do. And so it's very validating and it's right. very hard to kind of look at something. You have to kind of purposefully look at it with a very like, you know, discerning mm-hmm. eye and Correct. be like, this is trash. Um, And I did a production of Harrisbury in Ohio that mm-hmm. was particularly a... a dumpster fire of trash <laughs> i looked great and i am still <laughs> i i got to do it with one of my best friends she was she was one of the principals as was i and we had such a great time nice um on that contract but it was kind of the beginning of like this th- that's kind of where the book picks up the book picks up right there and okay kind of runs with it because shortly after that that's when shit started to go down okay so Let's go from the bomb to the bombshell, if that's the chronology. 
Um, yeah. By the way, I've been working on segues all day. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, so, so how did you find this out? What happened? What was the course? No, don't don't so, explain too much so that you give away the book so people don't buy it. But that you know that sort of thing. I think. Oh, by the way, there is no, a bit of a spoiler. You lived. I lived. Right. So <laughs> I'm alive. Yes. Um. Oh, I forgot to blur my background again. <laughs> Back on our cover here. <laughs> um, I need to get like a nicer background. Like you have a very nice background, and yours is like you live. You're in a house. I'm like you can't tell where I'm at right now. That's, that's... Um, there's so many things. Anyway, all that to say, right? Um, finished the bomb hairspray in Ohio. Mm-hmm. I had three weeks off before I started rehearsal for another hairspray that was going out to Nevada. Okay. Uh, we were performing in this big 800-some seat theater in a casino. Nice. In Reno. Oh. In Reno. <laughs> so, like, you know, whatever. It's not It's not a real place. Um, <laughs> and so I went to, I went as I normally did between shows because I wasn't home a lot. I went and saw my parents, and I went and hung out at their house for, like, a week. And while I was there, I decided, you know, like, it's summertime, I want to be tan and sexy for this next rendition of Hairspray that I'm doing. Like, I was Corny Collins, so I was like, Corny just got back from the tropics. Like, mm-hmm. let's let's go that route. Um, you know, tan leather TV personality is right. what I wanted. Yeah. And uh, so I decided to go out in the backyard and lay out. And I took a towel and I went out and I, like, you know, it was the dawn of the selfie taking. And so I was doing that in the backyard. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, overheated, got too hot, went inside, got in the shower while I was showering, I found a little lump under my arm mm-hmm. and, you know, very textbook. Right. And I just was like, what, what is this? What mm-hmm. could this be? And cause I'd never had anything like that happen before. So my mom has worked in medicine her whole life. Mm-hmm. My best friend from high school, her mom had worked in medicine. So does her, her dad's a radiologist. And so I had all these people like poking around my armpit, like, Oh, well it could be an infection. It could right. be this, that. And the next thing, it's probably not a big deal. It's a lymph node. It'll go down fine. <laughs> so i leave i go back to the city we start rehearsals and it's getting bigger Oy. and it, like it wasn't that big to start it was probably like the size of like a peanut sure like a little little mm-hmm. tiny peanut yep. and then it got bigger to like maybe like a grape mm-hmm. and so i'm in rehearsal obviously i'm like literally like the shirt i'm wearing was this color it was a little henley and i remember like doing this and seeing this like bulge <sighs> right. under my arm in rehearsal and being like okay well i'm gonna ask if i can have a half day at rehearsal so Mm -hmm. i can go see my doctor right (laughs) which is what i did went Mm -hmm. to him he thought it was an infection sent me to a radiologist to get a cat scan they said it was cat scratch fever which doesn't sound real right um i don't know why we need to bring ted nugent into this but go ahead that's fine we don't need he's he's quoted in the book Mm -hmm. um (laughs) he's referenced (laughs) quoted etc um but you know, keep in mind, like I mentioned, I won a scholarship through the union. That was now, like that had just happened. And the meetings that I was getting with the casting directors that were on the board of that scholarship that voted me into that winning situation were having meetings with me. So I have this radiology appointment for a CAT scan. And immediately afterwards, I have to go to this big casting director's office and sit there and talk about my career, you know, like while I'm waiting to hear what's going to happen. Cause mm-hmm. he also was like, this could be Hodgkin's, but you know, I think it's more of an infection. So that's swimming around in my brain. Oh, yeah. 
And I leave her office. He's like, congratulations, is an infection. Here's some antibiotics. Go pick it up and go to Reno. And that's what I did. Okay. And then it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And the antibiotics were not working. And I was calling him. And I was like, what the fuck? I have like a child growing out of my armpit. Right. It's like a little preteen in my mm-hmm. armpit. And it was not good. And it, it got to the point where at the end of that contract, five, month, five months later. Jesus. Uh, this thing was like a grapefruit sticking out from under my arm. There's pictures of it in the book. Oh, yeah, yoy. It was ugly. Uh, I, we called it my third breast. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I went to see another doctor in emergency room in Reno, which I you can please just imagine to yourself right now what an emergency room in Reno is like. <laughs> And uh, and you'll be right. <laughs> but uh, they did an ultrasound on it, which was also the joke that I was pregnant finally. And, you know, it just was like a whole big rigmarole. And they gave me a long list of things that it could be. None of them were good. Mm-hmm. You know, some some you could like rule out immediately. Right. Um, But like. I went right from there to a bar and met my friend Brian. Mm-hmm. And what what really kicked off the book and this whole mentality that I have around the book was this moment right here, which was, um, I just had an ultrasound (laughs) and I don't know if I'm growing a twin under my arm. Right. And my friend, Brian, very kind of like Riley was like, well, we're going to have to name it. And so I laughed about that. I was like, absolutely. And we looked, we turned to the TV that was playing in the bar and Mm -hmm. it was little shop of horrors and we just screamed, laughed, and I was like, we're naming it Seymour. Beautiful. And that's what's going to happen. Right. And that's how, that's kind of how the whole Seymour track of the book started. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. So, uh, I, 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 I kind of want to play this carefully because I want people to read the book, but I also want to like know like sort of like more of what happens. Like, you're obviously fine. Is this a remission we've got going on here? You did surgery or I am assuming surgery. I'm sure that you didn't just have no. to. No, no, no surgery. Uh, I had brought it up a couple of times and they said two things. One, uh, because it ended up being cancer. This very weird, rare fucking cancer that no mm-hmm. one's ever heard of. Um, because of that, they were afraid to cut it because if they did, everything was contained. It was only here and it had spread a little bit here. Right. And they we found out that later we found out that it spread a little bit onto my spleen okay which they didn't tell us until way later and i was like i'm sorry (laughs) info i could have used yes right um so they were afraid to cut into it because they thought that that would just unleash living cancer cells everywhere right um and then the other part of it was that under your arm is very vascular and very nerve heavy and so Mm. any like disruptance of that interruption of that mm-hmm. would fuck up my ability to use my left arm and wow. i am left-handed okay so it was uh four out of eight rounds of chemo until we quit because it mm-hmm. wasn't working and then i did 30 days of radiation which was working right and then um i started butting heads with my doctor because she wanted me to do this uh stem cell transplant where someone else was my donor and i was reading about it and i was like fuck no bitch that's not happening right Absolutely not. You have to be on drugs for the rest of your life. At any moment, the transplant graph can reject, mm-hmm. and then you're out, shit out of luck. Right. Um, and so I was like, I'm 25. I entered this the best shape of my life. There's no reason why I should not be my own donor. And they couldn't right. get me to don't like donate through this dialysis machine that you're hooked up to. Mm-hmm. 
enough stem cells and they couldn't pinpoint why and they're just like oh well your immune system is blah blah i'm like okay okay, but still like 25 i looked terrible but like 25 (laughs) and when i decided to kind of put my foot down and go for a second opinion somewhere else that doctor who knew the previous doctor was like what medications are you on and i started listing all the meds and the prophylaxis and everything that they had Mm -hmm. me on for like precautionary purposes and one of them was an antibiotic that fucks up your red blood cells Uh, she was like that's why (laughs) uh, so she was like i'm gonna give her a call she should know better i trained her i was like like, can i be daddy's mad (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah i ended up having a stem cell transplant i was my own donor it was graphic and strange and uh, gave me some practice for quarantine for COVID because I sure. had to be stuck in a hospital room by myself for 21 days. Uh, and anyone who entered had masks and gloves and gowns and caps mm-hmm. and shoes and the whole nine. And uh, yeah, got really good at being okay with doing nothing. Right. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh uh, yeah. Then after that, after stem cell, you have a hundred days where you're kind of in the red zone where like mm-hmm. things can go really wrong. And I was discharged and sent home and we were walking on eggshells and I was trying to build up my strength, which was a whole thing in and of itself. Like after being in a hospital room for 21 days and not being able to do a whole lot other than like sit around, you like start walking and you are just out of breath. You just can't do anything. Right. And at this point I had lost about maybe 60 pounds and I looked like a coat hanger. Mm. I missed that. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like I would take my mom down to the river, to the Hudson river. We'd walk down and then to get back up, there's this huge fucking staircase. Mm-hmm. And I would just have to do like five steps at a time and stop. Right. And like five steps at a time and stop. And by the time I got up to the top, I was like ready to pass out mm-hmm. and like black out. Cause it was just so crazy. Right. Um, and so we went, th- we went through the hundred days of that and, you know, made it out on the other side with a with a good old cancer-free deuces Beautiful. two days before my birthday mm-hmm. so it worked out but i mean that's not to say that that whole situation was insane um you know obviously it was hard and there were some good things in there too like mm-hmm. we, i got close to my family my friends and i threw parties all the time it was so fun we'd like made my hospital room was like the cool one to be in like all the nurses would do <laughs> right their, they would do their rounds and then my room would be the last room. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um you know but i drank my way through a lot of that it right. was just like anything to feel normal mm. you know drank my way through it fucked my way through it right ran around town like nothing was wrong trying to like was develop social anxiety because i didn't want to be seen right i didn't want to be recognized and so it was like hat sunglasses scarf thank god it was winter time and uh i could just bundle myself to death until no one recognized me right <laughs> um and there were a couple situations where i ran into people that i knew who just did not rec- did not register that it was me right at all and i i let it happen i didn't want to crack them i was like yep not mm-mm. and that's the book that's that's a very uh unfunny version of what the book is. <laughs> the book is <laughs> um you know when you, when you were saying like you don't want to give away the book you you there's no possible way because the way that the book is written is in the framework of musicals and so every chapter is a different musical and the people that you Sweet. meet are characters from that musical mm-hmm. and it's a very heightened reality of a heightened reality that you experience when you go through something like that right and so you know the real the real kind of central um 
idea of the book is that during something, obviously specifically cancer, because that's the story I'm telling and that's what happened to me and that's what I can speak to, but anyone who goes through a massive life-changing, facing your mortality trauma like that is going to have some kind of massive identity crisis. Right which exact is exactly what happened. And the reason I wrote the book in the first place is because I had met someone else who was recently cancer-free. I was three years out of cancer at this point. And they expressed to me that they were feeling this way, that way, and the next. And I was like, that's exactly how I felt when I was first out. And I thought it was me and there was something wrong with me and that I had to fit back into the life that I had before. And really the truth is that you can't that's gone right and you have to like figure out going forward instead of like oh i used to be this way and like i used to do this and like why do my friends make me want to punch me and punch myself in the face and why Mm -hmm. do it was everything that my family's saying just like nails on a chalkboard right and you have to go through this kind of reckoning with yourself that you're different you're new you don't know you right now and mm-hmm. you have to get to know you at that point. Right. And a lot of what this guy was saying to me was like, I don't want to go to work. I hate it. I There's no reason to. Right. Why? And I think it's actually collectively what a lot of people are going through right now mm-hmm. with the state of the world where it's like, why am I trying? Like everything's right. against mm-hmm. me. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And it felt it's very, it's a very similar feeling. It's, it's, it's just like, you know yeah it's so isolating like both my parents are cancer survivors and i go and 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 so is my my uncle and stuff so like everyone when they come into it it's so isolating because it's such an insular you know personal journey and they don't know where to start and it's i think it's things like this that really really help uh make this happen you know like where they were uh what am i trying to say the um you need a sense of community. You need a sense of, of something that can help you drive and, and get through it. And you aren't really afforded that when it kind of starts open. So like when, when, when someone comes up and goes, you know, the, the first thing that, you know, my mom used to get, uh, was a stack of books and said, here, you know, there's brochures, pamphlets, like everything. Like here's literature, learn up on this stuff and like, you know, get to, get to know it. And so it's, it's really hard to reach out and help, and, and I'm glad your book is out there to help people with it. Well, and, and to that point, I didn't tell anyone that I was going through that. I told my closest friends and my family, and that was it. And part of the reason was because it was so serious, even though I wasn't taking it seriously, I still, like, there was a brain cell back there that was right. like, mm. um, I didn't want people who had bad intentions coming out of the woodwork. And right. then if something would have happened to me, my parents would have had to deal with them. You know, mm-hmm. like those people who like to glom on to those who are going through things just so they could be the martyr and mm-hmm. say that they were there for them. <laughs> I, I mean, you know the type. Like, yes. I, didn't, I didn't want that near my friends and family. So okay. I just didn't tell anyone that I didn't trust. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, in a way, was isolating, sort of, um, because there's no possible way that any of them could really, truly understand what I was going through. Mm-hmm. But that also was what got me through was having those people there to support me. And I, I attribute a lot of me getting through it to them, to my friends and family, because I didn't really do anything, Mm -hmm. you know, like I I think one thing that I, most cancer survivors, thrivers or whatever the fuck the Mm -hmm. colloquialism is now, (laughs) um, that, they don't like being told like, Oh my God, you survived cancer. You're so brave. You're so strong. I showed up to appointments. Right. I did what I was told. Uh, the real people 
who got me through it were my friends, my family, and my doctors. Right. Because I was like, you know, I was a fucking rag doll. I was being pushed yeah. from one room to another, from one appointment to the other, and I just was like, uh-huh, yeah. Cool. Until yeah. I until I didn't. And then that well, there was a shift in the paradigm. Sure. But sure. You know, I it's not like I was com- mixing the chemo, making no. that happen. I was <laughs> I was sitting there with the bag in my chest. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's that was the extent. Jeez. <laughs> Well, you know what? I am so glad that you're here, and I'm so glad that this uh, this book is out there in the world. Well, thank you. Thank um, you. The alternative wasn't appealing. No, so. no, no. That would no, here we are. <laughs> if if it was just that, it's just me and Darcy going. So you want to tell a joke? Yeah. <laughs> hey, that reminds me. So this is where we invite our uh, our guest to come on, Edward, and tell their uh, favorite street joke. Now, sometimes we allow, well, sometimes, all the time, we allowed our uh, our guests, our uh, you're the guest, the our listeners, to join in the fun, and we tell their joke. Uh, that they send in and they send in those jokes to jokes at oshopod.com. That's O-S-H-O-Pod.com. Okay. So here's one pod. And uh, we have one again from CB Inc. Uh, who is a regular listener. Finally met him in person uh, in Toronto. We we're doing uh, the write em up show. And it was the first time we ran it over the pandemic in um, uh, over zoom. And this was his first time at comedy bar. First time he came down. Oh, no, I don't think it's first time at comedy bar, but first time he saw the show. So it was absolutely fantastic. So, uh, you are welcome to send in your joke to jokes at oshapa.com. It can be dirty or clean. No isms, no obias. So here is CB Inc's joke. There once was a very young child. Uh, see, already I hate this one. There once was a very young child in school one day, and feeling bored, he made a paper airplane and threw it across the room. The school teacher took one look at him and said, get out of this classroom straight to the principal's office. So the boy goes to the principal's office and sits down. The principal goes, so why are you here? Boy goes, I made a paper airplane and threw it across the classroom. You did what? Get out of school and never come back. So the boy, confused. Uh, goes home and wonders what the fuss is about. When he gets home, he explains to his mom what happened. You did what? Get out of this house and don't ever look back. So the little boy lives uh, on the street for the rest of his life, shelter to shelter, begging for food. And uh, one day he steps out on the road and gets hit by a car and dies. The moral of the story, look both ways when crossing the street. Seize the day. What in the world? <laughs> right? <laughs> When I read it, I was like, when does this happen? It's like, I've got a cancer survivor on this show who wrote a book. I mean, you know, this is perfect. I mean, so. yeah, I mean, I make death jokes all the time. Mm-hmm. How many have I made so far? Um, uh, several. Yeah, I was wait- I was waiting for you to tell me that he had a speech impediment and making a paper <laughs> sounded, sounded badly. That's right. That was going. Right. <laughs> all right. So, Edward, this is your time. So, please. Tell us your favorite street joke. Okay. Well, for those of you watching, this is going to be easier for you to get up. I tried it on my friend Sasha earlier today, and it took her a second. Okay. And I think that's my favorite kind of joke, where everyone has to pause and yes. think about it for a minute. Where you enjoy it and process it. So Love please, it. Please please allow the dead air. Please don't take the mm-hmm. dead air out in post. <laughs> Shant. Shant. <laughs> um, so my joke is actually a question. Okay. And if you've heard this before, don't give it away. I'll kill you. All right. <laughs> I know where you live. There's three people that live in Ottawa. Oh, damn. Two of them. Damn it. Uh, damn. All right. Um, okay. What did Cinderella say when she got to the ball? I don't know. What did Cinderella say when she got to the ball? 
See, that's an actor. That's an actor right there. That is an actor. There was inflection. There was there was facial work. Everything. Well, I have I have a lived experience. <laughs> Gorgeous. It wasn't really acting. Gorgeous. It was reenacting. Right. Reenacting. <laughs> You're very method in your approach, and I appreciate that. Have been all my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, Edward, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your joke. You are uh, truly uh, an inspiration and, dare I say, uh, brave. Oh, yeah. A big pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, before you go, before you go, just to save me a little bit of time, let's take a picture just so we can use this in the show oh notes. Oh, my God. Yes, please. Yeah, let's do that. And uh, all I need you to do is just look in the camera and smile. Darcy, we haven't done this in ages, have we? It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. But uh, like, I finally got one. Why the fuck am I trolling through video for a time where we're all smiling? Like, why? <laughs> why? So here it is. Okay, everyone just look great. Let me make sure I got that. Let me open up the thing. Dooby dooby doo. Yes, there's a picture. Yep, fine. Close it. There we go. No. Yes. Bammo. Done. Yep, we got it. Love. Wicked. Thank you for listening to OK, So Here's One, a podcast celebrating street jokes. Uh, thank you to Edward Miskey for uh, telling his joke. Uh, bloody hilarious. And you'll be able to see more of what he was doing in that in the Patreon if you decide to join us. More on that later. You can follow him on Instagram at Edward Miskey and other socials as well. You can pick up his book, Cancer, Musical Theater, and Other Chronic Illnesses, wherever great books are sold. Once again, there's a link in the show notes if you like. You can find 23 seasons of our previous podcast, Comedy Above the Pub, uh, that feature many of the guests that have been on uh, this new venture of ours. You can find all those at ComedyAboveThePub.com or wherever fine podcasts are available. If you like this podcast, please tell your friends, like and subscribe, leave a review, give us a five-star review, but just like the old days, five stars, talk shit about us in the commentary. Five stars, talk shit about us in the commentary. Our show is produced by Darcy Finder. Our music is done by Larry Bryant. Our work is done by Wojtek Arkashewski. And if you have a joke you'd like us to tell on the show, we will do it. It can be dirty or clean, just not racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, or xenophobic, or as we like to say, no isms, no obias. Send your joke to jokes at oshopod.com. That's jokes at oshopod.com. Stands for okay, so here's one pod. You can send any questions or comments about the show to show at oshopod.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at OshoPod. And you can follow me personally on the same platforms at Hey It's TVA. Put an underscore there if you're going to Instagram. Long story. For all my upcoming shows, live or virtual, uh, there's the odd virtual ones, but most of them are live, you can go to heyitstva.com slash calendar. Uh, join our patron and you can see uh, Edward acting his face off during his joke. Quite literally. You can join our Patreon for $3 a month. You get the full raw, unedited feed, plus bonus perks and extra jokes at patreon.com slash oshopod. I'm Todd and Alan. On behalf of Edward, the no longer erstwhile Darcy, and myself, thanks for listening to OK So Here's One. Jimmy, Bobby, and Monty, you're always the podcast. <laughs>